Under the Dome Radio for Season 1, Episode 11, Speak of the Devil. This is the Under the Dome Radio Podcast. Welcome back. It's the podcast by and for fans about CBS Television's Under the Dome TV series. We are the unofficial Under the Dome podcast for theories, news, reviews, and interviews. That kind of rhymes, I guess. You know? Cool. It is episode 19 of this uh, show we've got here. Check out the show notes, and we might mention a link or two or have a cool image. They will all be at underthedomeradio.com slash 19. And Under the Dome Radio is produced by Media Voiceovers. And Under the Dome Radio is also part of the Noodle Mix Network and sponsored by our affiliate links at underthedomeradio.com. And then on this 19th episode of Under the Dome Radio, we are going to be on the air talking about what we liked and found interesting about this week's episode, Speak of the Devil. At the Tower, we will definitely go and make sure we get all of the great listener feedback. Tons of voicemails this week. Tons. Um, Almost a whirlwind of voicemails, I would say. (laughs) That's one way to put it. (laughs) And we'll go to our broadcast section and thank the people that are helping us get the word out about Under the Dome Radio as we... Wind down this first season, and of course, at the end of the podcast, we'll be in the dome, the spoilery part of the show, comparing stuff to the book, because hallelujah, we are finally back on track. And we might just bring up some other spoilery stuff as well. That's what we like to do here, but we will forewarn you. I'm Wayne Henderson, the voice acting, podcasting Green Bay Packers fan who bought his car on eBay and flew 1,800 miles to pick it up and drive it all the way home, because... I had to get the exact one I wanted. You know how that is. Absolutely. It's going to be what you drive all the time. You want to be comfortable in it for sure. And I'm Troy Heinrichs, who to this day has yet to purchase anything on eBay because I believe in working with a real person and not some machine. Oh, by the way, Craig, if you're listening, I love your list. It rocks. Uh, Wow. All right. Speaking of machines, like we'd like to do, the Under the Dome Radio podcast rolls on. Let's get back on track. We've almost completed the full noodle mix assimilation because let's face it, resistance is futile when you have great podcasts like the Ramen Noodles Clean Comedy Podcast. It's full of clean fun and hilarious and sometimes totally crazy antics each week, as well as the once- Once Upon a Time podcast that's starting to get back into gear because season three is less than a month away. Also, Daniel's award-winning The Audacity to Podcast, where you too can learn to podcast yourself and have passion, organization, and dialogue. And since Under the Dome Radio is its own kind of noodle, be sure to check out the new album artwork in iTunes as you stop by and leave a review at underthedomeradio.com slash iTunes. And then come on back and check out the new look and feel at the website now at underthedomeradio.com. And we also relocated on Google+. So if you have not yet checked that out, be sure to head over to underthedomeradio.com slash Google+. And we have a much simpler way to send in recorded audio feedback, written feedback, any kind of feedback. Really, anything you want to send in. Wayne, can you guess what that email address might be? Well, if, if I had to guess and not even know anything, I would guess feedback at underthedomeradio.com. Yes, feedback at underthedomeradio.com is where you want to send in all that juicy info you love to share. 
and we love sharing. Sharing is a beautiful thing. So if you want to say hi, send in your dome head photos, attach an MP3, all that kind of good stuff, just go to feedback underthedomeradio.com or you can just go the old school way if you still have an old rotary phone and you want to simulate a swirling crowd uh, cloud you can dial 904-469-7469 and see how fast you can do that on a rotary phone but as far as we know the under the dome radio podcast is not yet affiliated with cbs stephen king or amblin entertainment but you never know you know yeah, we might be, we don't even know it. But again, as far as we know, we're not, but we'd like to be. So let's go ahead and get on the air. It's one of our favorite segments right behind the listener feedback is where we'd like to share some of our favorite scenes and things that just made us go, wow, this week on Under the Dome, Speak of the Devil. So it takes four hands to turn on the planetarium. So who was the fifth person that painted all the dots on the wall? Good question. I would assume the caterpillar or the whatever caterpillar it is. <laughs> well, the caterpillar is inside the dome, though. I mean, someone, I mean, think about it. You have to take your hand off the dome, quick run and draw a couple of paints on the wall and then quick go back, touch it again and quick run back over. And you, there had to have been a fifth person there. Otherwise, there'd or, been a lot of running around. Or you could have one hand on the dome, one hand on the, the paintbrush, just kind of stretch. Maybe it's slingshots, sponge painting. Who knows? Play a game of memory or something like that. Turn it back on, turn it off. I don't know. One thing I do know is that Big Jim Rennie is on a ginormous power trip. Yeah, he's definitely starting to turn on Barbie, but I don't know if it's so much turning on Barbie as shifting the focus of blame. I mean, if you remember, um, you know, I'll sell you a car for 100 below invoice as long as you finance over 4% and buy the extended warranty. So Big Jim... <laughs> Big Jim can make money any way possible, right? So, you know, warranties are really where you make your money. And by the time Big Jim, you know, wants to get to it, his warranty is basically Barbie. So he's just selling Linda a complete line of bull, you know, to make sure that Barbie's the one that's implicated and not Big Jim. Yeah, he's doing a great job of deflecting the blame because of two things. One, he reminds us that we all have to support the team and we're all in this together. You combine those two things and, you know, we've got Big Jim supporting the team and he sure made it known that uh, it was his propane and all those dealings that saved the beautiful little quaint town of Chester's Mill. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, my propane, my propane, my propane. Yeah, everything I did was for the town. It was kind of like Angie's got a tattoo. Angie's got a tattoo. <laughs> Angie's got a tattoo. What? Are you sure? You better go rewatch it. One thing I want to put right out there. I was not expecting that gunshot from Maxine when uh, Julia Shumway's door rang and she answered the door. That to me was a definite wow moment. Yeah, I for, can't think of anybody that saw that one coming. Well, for me, it was like, wow, what a bad shot she is. She totally <laughs> missed her heart. She wasn't or, trying to kill her. Well, I think she should have. If she's really trying to be the, the you know, bad person that she wants to be. I mean, I would have just put one right between the eyes. But, you know, she's like, for some reason, she just wants to scare Barbie or tempt him to come back to her versus Julia. It seems more like a, uh, a boyfriend-girlfriend tiff love triangle struggle, if you will, more than it's being a calculated um, drug smuggling, lottery dealing, but not prostitution dealing person. <laughs> sounds almost like a podcast intro, but not ours. No, definitely not. Was there uh, anything you loved 
near the beginning of this episode or all the love is at the end? Well, the thing that I thought was really interesting is that as Linda's leaving to go to Barbie and Julia after Barbie calls on the walkie-talkie, Big Jim is trying to do like a Winnie the Pooh impression there. And he's got his finger in his head. He's like, think, 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 think. Yeah. So oh, I kind of got to chuckle at that. That's similar to something Big Jim said in a previous episode. You know, like you got to use your brain. And he's like totally telling everybody to just pay attention. Make sure that you think things through. You know, one thing I noticed, Junior Rennie, still crazy after all these episodes. Oh, my goodness. That guy is a nut job. Well, I don't know if he's so much crazy anymore. He's crazy. He's definitely obsessed with Angie. That is for sure. I mean, it's it's probably codependency, maybe. Maybe he just needs a group to talk about his feelings or something. It's that and so much more. He's crazy. Well, he's got half the gene, right? So we definitely know that, you know, half the gene is there from his mother. But maybe it's not crazy after all. Maybe it's just inside my head people talking for me because the dome is controlling me. Okay. He's crazy. There's a lot of people driving around Chester's Mill, you know, this past episode. They're all going places to and fro as if nothing's going on. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's just a standard day in Chester's Mill, you know, go to work, go home. But it's uh, good to see that Phil is actually heading back to the radio station there, feeling a little bit better after his gunshot wound. Yeah, he doesn't want to be replaced by some automated wave file playing machine. He's got to get back and get going on what he needs to do. Or worse, or worse, he's getting replaced by Big Jim. Man, that'd be a boring show to listen to every day. (laughs) That would get on your nerves. I want to break in with a quick round of question and answer time with Wayne and Troy. Uh, Did you foresee Jim Rennie showing all of those extra guns to Junior down in the bomb shelter? Did you foresee him actually sharing that kind of information with his totally crazy son? Yes, because Big Big Jim wants what Big Jim wants. And what he wanted, most of all, is Maxine dead. And he was going to use Junior to do it. Because that's the one thing that Big Jim is really, really good at. Is manipulating people to do his dirty work for him. So he always looks like the hero. But I've got to know when, I've brought this up a few times. When are people going to start listening to me and stop giving weapons to Junior Rennie. Stop the madness. It's like the fourth or fifth time someone's just given this crazy psychopath a gun. I was almost nervous there when he when Angie comes to the door. I thought he was accidentally going to pull the trigger and pop her one in the shoulder. But luckily, it did not happen. So that's a good thing. Now, finally, out of all these cars driving around, and listener John called in or uh, Facebooked us and sent a message that we didn't see any car badges. Well, this week, we finally see a car with its logo badging intact, and surprise, surprise, it's an electric car. Yeah, maybe that's why Chevy and Ford were missing from the other cars, because Toyota has the exclusive deal with that nice Prius driving around. Uh, Total product placement there, for sure, especially showing how it even plugs into a standard 120 outlet. I know nothing of electric cars. I have not gone green. Well, Linda should have gone green, that's for sure, because then she would have gotten gas jacked on the way to get into Barbie and Julia. If they only would have known. Now, Uh, there's some crazy storms on this episode. Now, they're in a dome, and of course, not giving anything spoilery here, we've already mentioned in the past that the dome is different on the show than in the book. But a twister? Anti-M? A twister? Crazy little clouds spinning around? Yeah, and I don't even know if it was truly... Would it be considered a funnel cloud at that point? I mean, it was no 
other stuff. It was just a bunch of clouds going in a circle, but it wasn't really a twister. It wasn't like a weather system that high pressure, low pressure, combining quickly, you know, unless there's high pressure and low pressure between the feuding Fantastic Four as the twister starts up. I don't know. It was just very mysterious. But it did allow Dodie to get in touch with the military again and find some interesting news about Barbie. Now, let's go ahead and talk about that because even though it was a scene that uh, I had to play three times in a row to really get the gist of it, I think it's pretty pivotal. Do you recall what uh, she overheard, the transmission from outside the dome? Yeah, she said, yeah, we've confirmed it from Visitor's Day. It's Barbie. It's definitely Barbie. He's the one we've been looking for. So definitely perks your interest as to are they looking for him because of his ties to Maxine? Is it because he's tied to the military and they need him to kind of take a leadership role under the dome and they're trying to get in touch with him? So it'll be interesting to find out what is going to do. Yeah, and we're going to have a little more. I've got some thoughts on this that uh, could be considered spoilery depending on where they go based on the book. So I'm going to bring up a little more of this later on near the end of the show in our in the dome section, because this actually, I think ties into the book quite nicely. But the biggest plot theory for the week is the storm itself. And the writers did an interesting job. And this may actually make me bump my rating up a little bit from my original perspective. Do it. As I was thinking about this some more, they, they put this scene of the fantastic four getting back together when Joe returns from the hospital and says the storm stopped when Junior came back to the group. And Joe was like, no, 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 the storm stopped because Barbie saved Julia's life. But if you go back to the start of the storm, even when Angie and Junior were arguing in the barn, the storm was kind of already kicking into full gear, which was after Julia was shot. Hmm. So I'm leaning to the side of Julia was shot and the storm started and Julia was cured and the storm stopped. And Julia is the one that we should be focusing on as far as who the monarch might be. Okay. I didn't notice that other than what uh, Ben had talked about, but that's a good point. Let's go back and watch that episode again. Not right now because we're recording a podcast, but a big question for me is where is our buddy Benny? John Elvis playing Ben Drake. Where is he at? Man, I miss that guy on the show. Well, he was definitely live tweeting during the episode on Monday night during the U.S. telecast, but uh, he is in the press release from what I saw for next week. So the next two episodes should have a good dose of Mr. Ben on his skateboard. So that's probably a good time uh, between now and then for folks to go to underthedomeradio.com slash John Elvis and either listen to or re-listen to that interview because there might be some little tidbits in there that might play into next week's episode from what we might see from Benny. So check that out. Absolutely. Now, now I do want to say that big Jim turning on Maxine. Well, not really turning on her. We kind of saw it coming shooting Maxine and her goon. Now that I saw coming. Well, I didn't see it coming. I looked at it more like an Anna Lucia and Libby uh, situation and two for the road from lost. It was kind of, you know, Barbie turns around and bang, bang, it just happened. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> really? You didn't even let Barbie get more than two feet away before you did it? You could have at least let him get to the car first. Well, my weekly comparison to Lost is that it's more like a very quick end to a very annoying character, much like they did to Apollo and Nikki on Lost. That's true. I could see that as well. I mean, 
I'm just so glad that Maxine and her mom are no longer on the show. But at the same time, it's like, really, writers? Come on. It's Barbie is the one that's going to go to the car. You know that Big Jim's got a gun. You know, even if Barbie walks away, Barbie could get one square in the back and not even know it either. So, you know, we shouldn't have been, no, I'll stay with them. Big Jim, you go to the car. Would have been a little bit more believable. It's it's hard to say, but the less characters, the better at this point. So we can focus on the main ones that we really care about. We still got about 1,800 people we haven't met yet. I'm not worried about them. I'm really starting to hate Jim Rennie, one of those you love to hate him. I mean, he's a great character. Uh, Dean Norris does a fantastic job, but I do not want to listen to Big Jim's twisted radio program anymore. His propaganda was like crazy. Well, you wanted to listen to him much longer because I went over and stole his propane tank so we could counter-program against him here at Under the Dome Radio. Oh, we're going head-to-head in uh, the 5 p.m. drive time slot? Absolutely. The Arbitrons are coming out. we got to get those ratings up. <laughs> Man, we got to get to work on this. Yeah, you can, and you can definitely help us get those ratings up if you check out underthedomeradio.com slash iTunes. Drop in a nice review and uh, give us a rating because it'll definitely help out the show and make sure Big Jim doesn't take over drive time. An excellent idea. Now, I didn't like how successfully Big Jim is able to get the folks of Chester's Mill to start turning against Barbie. But I think Barbie's got an out because when you saw the episode when he kind of like, we call it neck chopped Big Jim there, he actually pulled his gun out from behind his holster that was tucked behind him. So the bullets that are in the two goons are actually from Big Jim's gun, which was silver versus Barbie who had a black one. So I think that with him saving Julia and him saving uh, Joe, yeah, I think he's got enough people on his side that he'll be able to convince Linda that he's actually a good guy. And Linda already knows Big Jim's into some bad stuff. So I think it'll be easy to get Linda to sway back to the Barbie side. Although Barbie did cold cocker in the face. That's <laughs> that, pretty intense. That was another wow moment that I did not see coming. Poor Officer Esquivel, Sheriff Esquivel. She, you know, first our, our buddy Kevin Sizemore, a.k.a. Randolph, takes her down to escape out of prison. And now, now Barbie, you know, it's a rough job being the sheriff of that town. Well, and if Rusty ever gets back inside the dome and ends up, they finally end up having the wedding ceremony. I mean, she's going to be all black and blue. What horrible pictures that'll be. It's not a good thing. But there was... A crazy dome revelation at the end of the episode. Yet another wow moment. I mean, I said wow many, many times. It's just a bizarre thought moment when the, as you'd like to call them, the Fantastic Four had their hands on the big dome and they all had that vision. That that was creepy. I don't even want, really want to describe it myself. Yeah, but that one wow that I saw at the end there, I actually took the wow and turned it upside down. And I got mom, as in mom. <laughs> I want some more of that out of this show, please. <laughs> Are you the type that takes a frown and turns it upside down, Troy? Well, the the other thing is is wow. that the, fir- the first thing I well, after you said wow on uh, on iMessage as I was still catching up to that point in the telecast, I, I immediately went wow spells mom and then as that scene started and the ghostly figure was in the background, I thought it's Junior's mom. That's going to be awesome. That's going to be Oh no, it's Big Jim. Dang it. But it was good. It was interesting. <laughs> oh, wait, do you have any other uh, thoughts as far as favorite scenes uh, before we get into our rating and uh, the other fantastic segments of the show? Because we got listener feedback all over the place. 
Well, if you go back to the beginning now, after you see the end of the show as the four Fantastic Four touch the dome, and if you remember, there were the four dots that were on the bottom of the barn that weren't part of the constellations and kind of helped them point to where they should touch the real dome in real life. Yes. There was kind of a fifth star kind of up and to the right. And I don't know if that was a foreshadow of someone outside the dome or it was a foreshadow of the vision that they were about to have. Just wanted to point that out there that there was a fifth white dot. Unless that's where they just messed up and painted a dot during their (laughs) memory session when they had to turn the dome on and off to paint everything. I don't know if we need to put too much into the dots and the constellations and everything. Just saying. But like you said, we'll just have to wait and see because there's... There's only two more episodes left this season of Under the Dome. And from what we hear from Mr. John Elvis, it's going to be an interesting ride. And I'm on board now because we are back more in line with the book as far as where the story might be going. Which is kind of a coincidence because we knew all along that the book Under the Dome by Stephen King is just the bones for the television show. So they could just go totally off of it now and that's fine by me. Hey, but if you don't have good bones, all you are is just a puddle of goo. Just saying. Think about that. <laughs> but Okay, I'm done thinking about that. What did you think of the episode? Can you give it a number? It sounds like you really liked it. Well, I originally gave it a five. I'm going to bump it up to a six because Oof. I think the writers did a really good job deflecting the whole, is it Julia that saved the storm versus the Scooby gang or the Fantastic Four, whatever you want to call them. So I'm going to go 6 out of 10 memories from Season 2, Lost Episode, 2 for the Road. 6 is pretty good compared to what you gave last week. So we're we're heading in the right direction. For me, speaking of Lost, I'm rating this episode of Under the Dome an 815 out of 1,000 DJ Jim Rennie's lying through his teeth. That'll translate to 8.15. Gotcha. (laughs) If we're not doing the whole whole math thing. But uh, we appreciate everybody that was willing to uh, work through our new math last week. Definitely. So six versus an eight. I can't do that math today. So we'll just call it an even seven. How's that sound? That sounds good to me. This is Kevin Sizemore. I'm Paul Randolph on Under the Dome. And when I'm not busy running around through the woods shooting bullets at the dome, I listen to Wayne and Troy on the Under the Dome radio podcast. Under the dome radio.com. And with that, let's go ahead and go into the broadcasts section of the show. We want to thank some folks helping get the word out about Under the Dome Radio. We're very thankful for that kind of thing. Um, our buddy Steve over at The Voice of Steve. I wonder how he came up with the name of that podcast. He probably did a bunch of voices and found a guy named Steve to record it for him. Anyway, he gave us a shout out this week and you should totally check out his show, The Voice of Steve, about Steve. Great, hilarious news of the week. Awesome stuff. Definitely gives us major props over here at Under the Dome Radio and we just love him to death, even though he's not a Packer fan. How can he not be? I've heard he lives in Wisconsin. You know. It is what it is. Okay, well, we'll have to work on that. Let's but he's a great podcaster, and he has a great show, so check it out. And he helped promote our show, and we thank you for that. So, heading on over to At The Tower, we teased that we've got lots of listener feedback, some thoughts, some theories, some answers, even to some questions that were put out there. So, let's fire this up. 
Hello, Wayne and Troy. This is Michael from Summers Point, New Jersey. I'm a first-time caller. I found out about you guys last week from the social site reddit.com. That's W-R-E-D-D-I-T.com. They have an entire subsection uh, dedicated to Under the Dome. And uh, somebody in the the comment section recommended you guys this podcast. So I downloaded all of them last week, and I listened to you guys over the week, and it was very, very good. And uh, i got to say... That I uh, really appreciate the um, the interviews with the cast as well. They're very good, and um, so maybe you guys can hop on there and uh, do a little something we call an AMA. It's called Ask Me Anything, where you guys like post who you are and what you do, and then obviously they all love Under the Dome there at Reddit.com/r/UnderTheDome, and um, they would go crazy just to hear from you guys. And I'm sure you guys would get a lot of new listeners. And uh, Reddit is referred to as the front page of the Internet, after all. (laughs) All right. Anyways, thanks for you guys for the great show. And I'll be donating some propane. And uh, I just want to add, after seeing all the shows and, uh, like, after seeing all the shows, I don't even know what to think about what's coming up. I don't know what they're doing with... um, the the series because I haven't read the book but um it seems pretty crazy so uh alright anyways I just gotta say I love you guys' sign off as well like after seeing uh Friends Lost and Now Under the Dome like it literally gives me chills whenever you guys say it alright stay trapped bye love it staying trapped Michael in New Jersey also giving out a weekend's worth of propane. Keep those donations coming on the right-hand side at underthedomeradio.com. Really appreciate it, Michael. And as always, keeping us on the air is always a good thing because then Big Jim's voice isn't the only one you hear here in Chester's Mill. Hi, Wayne and Troy. This is Dale, safely outside the Dome in Frederick, Maryland. I just recently found your podcast, Under the Dome, and spent the last two weeks getting caught up. I have a couple of comments. I believe it is certainly reasonable for Barbie and Julia to have an accelerated romance. The inhabitants of Chester's Mill have been thrown into a situation of unexplainable crisis. This situation would drive people to seek immediate comfort and companionship. Additionally, Julia made comments that her marriage was over, if not legally. I conclude that Barbie and Julia's quick coupling is in character. I have a harder time believing that Maxine could put together a fight club of this magnitude in less than 10 days. Your thoughts? Wayne, Troy, Doug in Atlanta with Consider This Podcasting at ctpodcasting.com. Wow. Julia gets shot, and then wow again, Maxine and her henchmen are shot, and Barbie's on the run for all of it, even Maxine's mom? I have a feeling, however, that Big Jim's plan on pinning all of this on Barbie might be a bridge too far, and it's going to fall apart once people start talking to each other and figuring out that the closer you are to Big Jim, the higher your chances are of dying. Besides, looks like the Dome wants Jim dead anyway, but claiming that the Dome made you do it may have about as much credibility with the law as the line from comedian Flip Wilson decades ago, the devil made me do it. Speak of the devil. Excellent. Doug and Dale. Figure we'll put all the D's together there. Thank you so much for putting those together and sending them in. Uh, Dale, some interesting comments there about what did we think about the fact that 
you know, we've been kind of poo-pooing the fact that uh, Barbie could get into a romance with Shumway so quickly, but we're willing to uh, let it be known that Maxine can put together a giant fight club operation in just a week. Right, exactly. I mean, that we kind of we talked about the the Barbie and Julia relationship with that Psychology Today article, and about the you know attraction that comes from being trapped in a confined space. You know, at the same time, you know, you have to question Barbie's motives because he's the one that put Peter in the ground. So you think Peter would have said, "No, this is," or I'm sorry, uh, Barbie would have said that this really isn't a good idea that we should be hooking up. You know, so from that perspective, Barbie's kind of a sleaze, if you ask me. Not to mention that Julia still has on her wedding ring. Yes, even <laughs> or, though she thinks that the relationship has been over for quite some time. Yeah, usually. Anyway, yeah, the Fight Club thing that we, we'd rather not talk about it because I've heard there's rules. But uh, <laughs> Doug's all full of wows like you. Doug in Atlanta. We've heard him on Fringe Casting with Wayne and Dan, Lost Casting with Wayne and Dan, and here on the Under the Dome Radio podcast. He's from the Consider This podcast. That's CT as in chocolate toffee. Mm, good stuff. Oh, I didn't mean to make you hungry in the middle of the podcast because that's just wrong. Hey, Wayne and Troy. This is Rick Snowdy calling from Wisconsin. <clears throat> I think uh, you guys were right on with some of your predictions and discussion in the most recent podcast because Max didn't serve any purpose anymore and they got her out of the way pretty quickly, which is good. Um, the writer's part, you know, to bring in a character that wasn't in the book and then dispose of her when she wasn't needed anymore. So that little plot line moved along pretty fast. But with everyone having most of their secrets exposed, we were wondering what's the next mystery, and I guess we got it at the end with the shared vision. Uh, I don't remember who it was that called in last episode, but someone had mentioned, you know, what if they all went out and touched the dome? And that was sure an interesting vision. If this vision is something that's going to happen, when will it happen? When will Big Jim get his? Will it be the end of this season, the end of next season, or the end of the series itself? Uh, I guess we'll have to stay tuned to find out. But I did enjoy that. Uh, one of the other characters we've forgotten about is uh, Carolyn, and I'm assuming she doesn't serve much purpose in the story anymore, so something should happen uh, uh, to her probably soon. But I'm curious why on the previews, which are somewhat spoilery, um, what was the deal with Big Jim going after the teenage girl there? Because I don't know what Nori did or knows about him that's suddenly going to make him act that way. It looks like he's got people where he wants them now because he's set up uh, Barbie for the fall on murdering Max and the other guy. And... Uh, Looks like the town will be after Barbie, similar to the way he spun things in the book. But we'll have to wait and see how Barbie deals with it. Thanks for doing the podcast, guys. Bye. This is Neil from Bowie calling in for Under the Dome, Speak of the Devil. The four mini-domers apparently had enough time to paint the barn where all the pink stars were that they saw when the mini-dome was in planetarium mode. There were four big dots which they believe represented them showing where they should touch the big dome in order to get further instructions. 
uh, we saw Angie getting uh, Junior upset and Junior deciding to break up the uh, forehand group there and the mini dome that made its displeasure known about this uh, with strange weather effects and apparently restoring order only when Junior saved Angie from a flying bench. Uh, they went to the spot on the dome and the message they were sent is that dome wants them to kill Big Jim. Junior is obviously not pleased about this and probably will tell his father about it. Uh, that's not going to make the task any easier, but uh, why does Adam need them to do this? Very weird. Meanwhile, Dottie can now pick up some outside radio signals and she heard the government people say that they know that Barbie's in the dome and they seem to want him for something. We don't know uh, anything more about that. Barbie made the critical mistake of telling Big Jim that he's going to take him down once they take care of Max. Max had shot Julie at the beginning of the episode because Barbie didn't want to cooperate with her anymore. Max uh, does find her dead mother and in her confrontation with Big Jim she implies that she has more insurance besides her mother. We don't know what that is and uh, whether that will surface. In one of the least surprising twists, Big Jim killed Max and her thug. Barbie made the mistake of running away uh, from the scene of the crime and so Big Jim has the opportunity to address the whole community blaming Barbie for just about every crime he's committed recently and also the shooting of Julia which Max did. But where's Barbie gonna go in the dome? I mean it isn't that big. Uh, Joe for thinks that Barbie might be the monarch after he uh, saved uh, Julia's life with some uh, field medicine uh, acts. Uh, things are really building up. The fates of Big Jim, Barbie, and Julia seem up in the air at the moment. Those fates might still be uncertain in the season finale, possibly with more one or more of them in a serious cliffhanger. That's all. Thanks, Neil. Thanks, Rick. Staples here on Under the Dome Radio. Yes. And great, great points. I appreciate Rick denoting that my score for the season so far is two for one, or two and one. Um, because I got the tattoo and I got Maxine getting killed. <laughs> I, I missed on Benny, but maybe Benny's going to be bigger than we even know come in the next two episodes. We'll have to wait and see. And of course, Neil, always a great summary and recap. You know, he had the same question I had is obviously who was painting those dots as the planetarium mode was turned on, as he called it. Maybe like that's that. where Benny's been. Go into planetarium mode right now. Well, he does have paint from, you know, painting a door on the dome. This is true. Very true. Maybe he was in the background and we just didn't see him because it, they worked overnight and Benny sleeps during the day. Or maybe Junior's mom isn't really dead or she's back from the dead. And she's a she's ghost and flying in and out of the dots. I don't okay. know. Get and off track. <laughs> they, they both brought up great points. So definitely. Thank you, Rick. Thank you, Neil, for that. And hinted that Maxine might have more insurance, a.k.a. more Maxine insurance. Well, they did bring up the real estate agent or the real estate company. Um, I wanted to say it was Osiris or something like that. Um, but they brought that up in the previous episode. So it'd be interesting to know like what this real estate company has you know, tied into Maxine's operation. So maybe it's a front company for something else outside the dome. So it'll be interesting to see if that's kind of who the military was talking about. And maybe there's some tie with the military and this real estate company. Kind of like a Jericho thing almost, if you think back for all the Jericho fans that might be out there. I should have probably watched that show. It was great. Really good. But we move on and we did a lot of question and answer time around the social webs this week, Wayne. 
Uh, one of the questions we put out there was, what would you do if Maxine rang your bell? Your doorbell. Yeah, and uh, Evan, who goes by Green Ooey on Twitter, <laughs> said, run. That's a good call. Bree said that she would definitely not invite her in for coffee. Another good call. <laughs> Kathy said, killer. Oh, oh, my. Oh, wow. Okay. Don't get into a room with Kathy. And uh, Art uh, said that the question could be interpreted in a number of ways. Enough said. Huh. <laughs> uh, as to the question, uh, we asked, who would you trust if you were Linda? Uh, Bree said, definitely not Big Jim, but she really wanted to know, what the heck is Linda carrying around on her belt all day? She's got a lot of stuff. Well, you know, she's the sheriff. I mean, you could assume, what, pepper spray in one, maybe a taser in one, but she's got like four of those hip pockets, you know, cell phone in one, maybe, I don't know. But she's definitely got a lot of weight carrying around. That's why she couldn't move fast enough to get out of Barbie's backhanded elbow, probably. Um, let's see. We asked if you could rewrite the scene with Junior looking outside of the main dome at the end, who would you make him see? I said his mom. Brian, I... Brian said his mom. Did you say his mom? So you and Brian agreed. I was going to say Benny. Benny. Okay. <laughs> well, Sammy said the smoke monster. Yes. Nice. <laughs> And if you remember on the previous episode, underthedomeradio.com slash 18, I said that Hank Davis and I should write a show together because we wanted to rewrite last week's episode. Well, Hank Davis actually sent us a voicemail and wanted to chime in on this potential rewrite as well. This is Hank Davis from tpenetwork.com and the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fan podcast. And I was just calling in feedback for Under the Dome Radio. You posed the question, if you could rewrite this scene where Junior's touching the dome, what does Junior see? And I thought it would be awesome if he would have seen his mother and his mother instructed him to kill his dad. I thought that would have been awesome. As always, great job, guys. Until next time. Yikes. Hank. <laughs> Let's see, Hank and I, same wavelength. We're yeah. all thinking mom, mom, mom. Definitely the same wavelength, but then to instruct him. Oh, how violent. But the Rennies, you know, what a family they are on Under the Dome. What a trip. Hank, thank you so much for uh, putting that together and sending that in. His Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fan podcast is firing up. The series kicks off in just a few more weeks, but he's already got a few episodes of that uh, podcast out under his belt. So look for that in iTunes and subscribe to that puppy as well, because they're going to have a lot of fun. Him and his co-host, Alex. Fun, fun, fun. But then we had the really tough question for question and answer time, Wayne. This one was, what do you daydream about as you lay next to the mini dome? And the responses were kind of not surprising. So Bryant said, I daydream that the series wasn't a giant missed opportunity. I, not a giant missing um, his contact lens? No, just a missed opportunity. Mm -hmm. And Sarah kind of agreed with him. Sarah said, I think that they have been doing with the dome stuff has been interesting. The forehands, the constellation map, the visions, but the rest of the stuff is just, and I quote, black. Don't know why I keep watching the show. What do I daydream about under the dome? A better show that they just mangled it from the beginning. Granted, there were problems with the book too. And it's not that they strayed away from the book that makes it hard to watch. It's just that the stuff that they changed from the book isn't any better than the book. So hmm. two people there kind of giving point and feedback. And I kind of, I kind of agree. Hence the six this week, the twister thing. Yeah. 
great special effects. Stephen Fleet and the gang, again, awesome job on doing the special effects for that. But at the same time, completely unnecessary and pointless. You know, at least it could have sucked somebody up or taken out a house or something. So it would have been a little bit more part of the story, not just blown around upstairs. So All very valid points. We'll have to wait and see. Again, two episodes left. Maybe they'll wow us with the last two, and we'll go from there. But yeah, great stuff on the social webs this week. Great stuff from the voicemail callers. Keep everything coming. And again, definitely, if you love these callers even, uh, leave a review in iTunes under the domeradio.com slash iTunes. Uh, tell all the dome heads which callers are your favorites on the show. That'd be great. They'd love to hear it as well. Oh, that would be fantastic. And as well as leaving a review for the podcast, write out what you like and all that good stuff. We appreciate that. Plus, if you're, as, as Troy mentioned, all these great questions that uh, he and I have been putting out there in the social webs, as Troy likes to call it. If you're on Facebook, be sure to follow our Facebook fan page. If you're on Google+, Plus, follow that. Twitter, follow the Twitter account or follow all three as we uh, will pose some other questions that uh, to try to elicit your answers we want to increase the dialogue and conversation and put your thinking domes on coming up with some uh, great answers like those yeah and you can definitely find all of those very nice shortcuts at the top of our newly designed web page under the dome radio.com slash facebook slash google plus or at utd radio podcast on twitter they uh, the, the website looks pretty sweet it is uh coming together mobile responsive looks great on your phone all that good stuff listen to the podcast right from your phone if you don't get a chance to download it uh, also on stitcher radio we're all over the place but l- let's focus uh, sorry i'm on yeah, a tangent let's i'm focus. getting a i'm getting some electric static kind of making the hair stand up on the back of my neck i think there's a dome coming down we, we can go in not, the dome yeah not the cone of silence as heard on the fringe casting with wayne and dan podcast and a little homage to get smart but we are going in the dome now this as we mentioned before this is possibly spoilery territory but then again they're straying from the book so it may or may not be spoilery listen at your own risk or skip ahead about what 4.8 16 23 42 uh minutes and tuning for the end of the show absolutely but i'm glad that we're kind of back in line with the book not quite lockstep and key but right definitely more focused on the big jim versus barbie because I think that's probably the majority of the third and fourth part of the book, for that matter. You know, because uh, they're definitely people being duped into believing that Big Jim is right, Dale's wrong. Um, the thing that's really great about the book, though, is that for those that haven't read it and that are still listening, because you didn't hear our warning. Um, <laughs> but the good thing about the book is that Junior actually kills Angie and Dodie in like the first 60 pages. That's not a good thing. Puts them in a pantry. Then they kill Coggins. Then they kill Sheriff Duke Perkins' wife because Duke himself is dead. Obviously, like you saw the pacemaker in the show, same basic thing happens, um, you know, in the book. Uh, but his wife Brenda Perkins dies also. So we got four dead bodies. And what they do is they actually frame Barbie for all four murders by putting his dog tags uh, with the four bodies, and that's how they get Barbie thrown in jail and. Even though that happened, people know that, of course, he was framed. So he has his kind of Scooby gang that helps him out. Linda Everett's one of them, or in this case, Linda Esquivel in the show. So Linda helps him. Joe helps him. Julia helps him. So the same core group of characters that are on Barbie's side now are the same core group of characters that were in the book. 
So I think that's going to help us out, you know, have Barbie be exonerated. Big Jim obviously come to some kind of downfall, unless, of course, there is some giant twist that we don't know is coming yet that'll completely distract from the book. And maybe Big Jim goes on living and, you know, the big surprise doesn't happen. Um, But yeah, it was definitely really great to see that we're going back to that side. I guess the big question I have, um, does Junior side with Dad or does Junior side with the Fantastic Four? Because in the book, Junior is the one that actually hates Barbie more than Big Jim does. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, if you think that uh, Big Jim Rennie and Junior Rennie have, you know, a couple of redeeming qualities about them on the TV show, they've got absolutely none in the book. They got less than none in the book. <laughs> they, they are just 100% evil and terrible at all times. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if if and when they go that route. But you mentioned something there at the beginning that from the book, which is what I found fascinating and what made the last third of the book the best part of the book, was the fact that Big Jim Rennie is able to get so many people to so easily buy into his conspiracy, blaming Dale Barbie, Barbara, for all of these things. And they've added some of that already into the TV show. People are like, yeah, he is new. He is a drifter. He, And all of a sudden, they're just starting to buy into it. And in a way, I think that's kind of realistic how some people, if you give them the right information in the right way, you can dupe them into most anything. And it's kind of sad. And uh, if they do find Dale Barbie, Dale Barbie Barbara out in the forest somewhere and put him in jail, if anybody brings him a bowl of breakfast cereal, I am turning away. Absolutely. For sure. Um, but yeah, it'll be great to find out you know, if they actually do jail him or if they just find him and then confront him. But the thing that I'm really kind of clamoring for in these last two episodes is this Big Jim Jr. relationship. I think that's one thing that the television show has done really well is explore these two characters differently than what the book explored them as and i think it's really great to see the whole mother aspect of it come into play um so i'm really i'm really hooked to find out if junior sides with big jim if junior sides with the fantastic four or if junior kind of goes on his own and something totally different happens i don't know but I think that's what's really still got me hooked and at least still watching the show to the end of this season for sure because I want to see where that relationship takes. Oh, no doubt. They're going to definitely have to touch on it, though it has been kind of strange how, you know, it was building and building through the first like seven or eight episodes or so that Big Jim and Junior were, you know, bumping heads with each other and Big Jim was telling his son to drink his milk and all of that. And then... When, smacks him across the face. <laughs> smacks him across the face, yeah. And then, of course, when the uh, farmer, forgot his name for a second, but it doesn't matter, he's dead now, like a lot of people in Chester's Mill. Ollie. When, Ollie, Ollie Dinsmore. Dinsmore, that's right. When that whole scene came around, we thought for sure, they, they even made it look like in the promo, that Junior was going to possibly shoot his dad, Big Jim. But instead, he turns on Ollie. So ever since then, Junior and his dad have kind of gotten back together, all because of Ollie Dinsmore. It's kind of strange. Well, they even had that kind of bonding moment as they're talking about the guns and, you know, I want you to be protected and if, don't open the door because Maxine might kill you. You know, so they kind of had that father-son bonding moment down in the uh, fallout shelter as they're uh, basically giving Junior another way to kill people. Quit giving Junior weapons. I tell you. So, so anyway, 
that was a lot of stuff and even a general feel that was kind of the same as in the book. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens next. I know the trailer. Do we want to talk about the little teaser promo, knowing that they probably edited it in a way that manipulates us into thinking that one thing is going to happen and it may not? Why don't we share it? Because I actually didn't watch it this week. I wanted to be spoiler free because I knew Ben was coming back. Well, just it looks like what you've hinted at throughout, like every four episodes you mentioned, I wonder if they're going to have this scene from the book. And it looks like this coming week, we are going to have the big town meeting, town hall extravaganza. And let's see if it goes the way of the one in the book, which yeah. wasn't very well. Which was not very well at all. But it'll be interesting to see if we get uh, Andrew Grinnell to come back into that town hall meeting. So it'll be uh, great to see if uh, Ms. Dale Raul herself will also be back. I, on the show with Benny next week. I am hoping so. I was talking to somebody um, out here in town and talking about Under the Dome because I'm trying to talk about it everywhere that I can and engage people and, of course, tell them about our podcast. But they also mentioned, what's with that Andrea, the lady, the hoarder, that knows what's going on and is super suspicious about the propane? How come we haven't seen her lately? So they also are hoping to see Andrea Grinnell, played by Dale Raul, on the next episode of Under the Dome. You just solved it. That's the cliffhanger. They base, big Big Jim goes over to her house and Andrea buries Big Jim and all of her hoarding stuff. And when they when he shows up over there, there's a television crew filming an episode of Hoarding Buried Alive. That <laughs> It's like a show within a show. Exactly. And since they're trapped under the dome, the camera folks just keep on rolling. Yep, absolutely. I think Why? that's exactly the ending. Why stop? Well, he's I, going to check on his propane and then he, you know, for some reason needed to use the bathroom. So that's why it goes over to Andrea's house and... Then he gets buried underneath a whole bunch of file cabinets or something. Troy, I perceive that you are a prophet. Darn, but now I'm going to be two for two. <laughs> so anyway, I know that you had some news, late breaking news that had come in uh, from our uh, friend Sheila Brothers over there in Wilmingwood. Wilmingwood. I don't know why I can't say. I'll just say Wilmington, North Carolina. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Sheila was great. This is courtesy of on- Encore Online. And as many of the Dome heads know, the show was definitely filmed in Wilmington, North Carolina and the surrounding areas, as well as Screen Gems Studio, which you can follow them at E-U-E Screen Gems on Twitter. And the reason why the area is so attractive for Hollywood is not only because of all the awesome domies and atmosphere extras that work on the productions down there, which of course equals jobs, which are important for the economy, or because Screen Gems is such an awesome facility that some Hollywood lots would even be jealous of them. No, the main reason people go to Wilmington to shoot these productions is dollars, which revolves around a lucrative tax incentive that gives a 25% refundable tax credit. And guess wow. what? That tax credit is currently up for review. What? Now, it does, yeah, it doesn't they expire do until... That. It totally can't do that. Um, I mean, it doesn't expire until 2014, so Sleepy Hollow, I think we'll still get a full season of Sleepy Hollow out of Wilmington. Oh, okay. So that's a good thing. Um, but the recent controversy surrounding House Bill 994 and the discussion it started regarding tax incentives afforded to the North Carolina Productions has made members of the Wilmington community nervous for the future. Talks of the tax incentives not being renewed seem real to many as North Carolina's Republican-led General Assembly controls the state government, who in the past typically doesn't side with business incentives of any kind, according to the article. So if you'd like more information or want to be in the Dome with this story, we'll have a link to it in our show notes at underthedomeradio.com slash 19. 
And I, I get what the states are trying to do because obviously I live in Illinois and our state's going to be bankrupt if it isn't already. Um, but, you know, they're just in the toilet and they're trying to figure out ways to make money as a state. But the one thing people just don't seem to understand is that any kind of incentive that helps create jobs in a state are critical because that helps the state's economy, which then helps to collect more sales tax, more property tax, more payroll tax, which is where the state should be making its money from. Driving away any kind of lucrative economy booster for your state would just be a bad idea all around. So we here at Under the Dome Radio are rooting for the domies. We want you guys to stay working because you guys are awesome. Absolutely. Plus, I want to be able to go to Wilmington, North Carolina someday and check out all this awesome stuff that we've heard Dale Raul and Sheila Brothers and and Kevin Sizemore and John Elvis tell us about on those interviews. They all love that area, and it it's a great place to film television shows. You know, Vancouver, Canada, they do a lot of Once Upon a Time and Fringe and some other great shows have been done up there, but still, right here in America as well, right there in North Carolina, in Wilmywood, see, I can say it if I say it slow. They they're doing some great things. Yeah, and you know, hopefully, we could even get down there and maybe even be domies ourselves on season two. No, I would love that. If if anybody's listening that can help make that happen, and we can coordinate schedules or something, I would love to be an extra, an atmosphere person, whatever it takes, in an episode of Under the Dome. Would that not be awesome? It would definitely be epic. It would be a whirlwind adventure for sure. If you've got details, you can send it to the new email address, feedback at underthedomeradio.com. Any final well, thoughts? Nope, because I was just checking our propane tanks, and even though we had a great donation from Michael, they are getting a little low. So uh, we'll stay here, keeping the lights on as long as we can, and Big Jim off the airwaves as long as it is possible. But we definitely thank everyone for listening this week. Two more till the finale, and we'll be here every step of the way. And we even have some news for the finale, do we not, Wayne? Some news? Yeah, it's going to be on TV. Oh, man. <laughs> well, actually, what I if I'm going to pretend to be a mind reader here on the podcast, I assume that you mean that we are trying to get things in place where we can broadcast the recording of our season one finale episode live for th folks that might be staying up a little bit late and want to join us for the live recording uh, we can't guarantee that we'll pay attention to the chat room because we're easily distracted but we'll try <laughs> so Ooh, shiny object shiny object where squirrel under the dome radio.com slash live you can uh, go to that that link should be forwarding to the uh, proper place in the noodle mix network where this hopefully will come together um, it's going to be an experiment that uh, if all goes well we'll Dive into that and then, of course, use that frequently next year during season two of Under the Dome and underthedomeradio.com. Yes, and again, definitely subscribe in iTunes at underthedomeradio.com slash iTunes. Leave a review or at least a rating. It definitely helps out the show, get noticed, and definitely stay in touch with us. Uh, the new email, feedback at underthedomeradio.com, where you can keep sending in those domehead pictures and definitely spread the love by sponsoring a propane tank donation over there in the right-hand side. That would be cool. I love it when that happens because that was very kind of you, Michael, to uh, send in that propane donation, that sponsorship that really, really helped us out. So, everybody, until our next episode of the Under the Dome Radio podcast, we've uh, got some good stuff coming. We'll be back with you before you know it. But until that particular next episode of Under the Dome Radio, where can people find us? 
You can find us lost, out on the fringe, trapped under the dome. Under the Dome Radio is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Learn how to podcast, theorize over TV shows like Once Upon a Time and Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, get productive in your personal and professional life, laugh with our clean comedy, delve into science fiction and philosophy, learn critical thinking from movie reviews, and more at noodle.mx.